You know, last time I was here, I preached to a camera and a handful of people. It's really good to be here and see all of you here tonight. Really, thank you. Thank you for being here. Yes, it's good to be in this place. Those of you that are online, I want to welcome you. A couple things I want to share with you. One is that also, if you're not getting the newsletter for Urban Impact, I would encourage you to do that. A lot of negative information. This is going to really inspire you and encourage you. We only send it out four times a year. If you'd like to get the newsletter, I would encourage you to call the office or, or email us and we'll get it out to you because it'll help you to know how to pray and it'll really inspire you about what God's doing in our midst. Last but not least, I want to say this. If you have served in the military, I know we've said it quite a few times today, but if you have on behalf of ACAC, Urban Impact, and myself, we are so grateful and thankful for your service. And if you've ever, if you have anybody who's been wounded or you've been wounded or you've lost a loved one, know that we are praying for you and we honor you today. We honor you. Thank you so much. Well, our passage again is found in Genesis chapter 41 and the title of our talk is this, when God's time has come, when God's time has come. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you for who you are. And I would just ask that you would forgive me and cleanse me of any sin and that you would fill me with your spirit and you would speak through me to your people and we as your people wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of it and you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. We've covered a lot of the life of Joseph so far, but let me recap what has happened in his life so far before we go into our passage. Joseph grew up in a dysfunctional family, and I mean dysfunctional. He had 11 brothers and one sister, but his father favored Joseph, and everybody in the house knew it. Joseph was his favorite. However, the special attention that his father gave to Joseph turned out to be more of a, of a curse than a blessing. Joseph's brother didn't see anything special about him. Matter of fact, they boiled with jealousy And one day, they finally turned against him. They grabbed him and threw him into a pit, and they began to make plans to kill him. But as they made plans to kill him, all of a sudden, they saw a caravan coming towards them, headed to Egypt. And they decided it would be better to make some money on their brother. Rather than kill him, they sold him as a slave. Joseph's brothers then took his coat of many colors, soaked it with blood, tore it, and they took it to his father, and they convinced him that his, their brother, Joseph, had been devoured by a wild animal. And Joseph's dad, Jacob, was convinced that his beloved brother, or his, bro- his beloved son, was dead. His brothers, they forgot Joseph. But God didn't forget Joseph. Then Joseph finds himself in Egypt. And while he's in Egypt, he's sold to a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar is a high-ranking official in Egypt. And Joseph rises to the top in his family. He's leading the whole family for for Potiphar. But then one day he resists the temptation of Potiphar's wife. She begins to try to seduce him. And because Joseph rejects Potiphar's wife, she retaliates. She falsely accuses him of raping her. And Joseph is thrown into prison, and everybody forgets him. But God didn't forget him. God didn't forget him. While he's in prison, Joseph meets 
meets two inmates. They happen to be Pharaoh's baker and cupbearer. And one night they have a very disturbing dream. So they go to Joseph, they tell him about the dream, and Joseph interprets the dream. And he interprets it correctly. And he tells him that the baker was going to die, and the cupbearer was going to be brought back into his favored position, and that's exactly what had happened. And when the cupbearer was finally released from prison, just before that, Joseph goes to him and says, don't forget me. When you are standing before Pharaoh again, remember me and tell him about me so that I might be released from prison. But soon as the cupbearer was released, he conveniently forgot Joseph. But God didn't forget Joseph. And you know what? God will never forget you. He will never forget you. When you're going through tough times, remember this. That if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And because he dwells within you, no matter where you go or what you do, God is with you. And not only is God with you, but God is all-knowing. That means he does not have to learn. That means that there's no way that you can surprise God. You can never surprise him. Nothing you're ever going to do in your past or your present or your future is going to surprise God. Because God is all-knowing. And because God is all-knowing and he's always with you, he will never, no, never, no, never, ever forget you. Ever. He will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. He will always be with you. And with that great truth, let's get into chapter 41, verse 1. It says this, when two full years have passed, Pharaoh had a dream. What two years? Two years after the cupbearer was, re- was released from prison. So Joseph is sitting there for two more years, and then Pharaoh has a dream. Unable to find satisfactory answers from his wise men, his cupbearer conveniently remembers Joseph and tells Pharaoh how Joseph correctly interpreted his his dreams when he was in prison. And we pick up the story in verse 9. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man, the baker, was impaled. But before I go on any further, let me respond to you how conveniently the the cupbearer remembers Joseph. He remembered Joseph because he needed him. He needed him. And he knew that if he could tell Pharaoh about Joseph, that he would get credit for that. He would have good standing with Pharaoh. You know, it's amazing how pride claims all credit. Isn't that true? How pride claims all credit. Have you ever done something for someone that's asked you to help them, and they promise that you're going to get a promotion or you're going to get credit for it? Then when the project's all done, the person who asked you to help them, they end up with all the credit, they end up with the promotion, they end up with the bonus, and you're left out in the cold. That ever happened to you? Has that ever happened? Listen to this. There is no wind so cold. There is no wind so cold as a person's ingratitude. Ingratitude. 
You know what I've noticed in my life over the years? Not always, not everyone, but some. When they are finally successful, they are quick to forget all those who helped them get there. And they're quick to forget those who are unfortunate and those who are vulnerable. When COVID hit, I went to my staff and I told them that COVID is not going to be a winter storm. It's going to be a winter. It's going to be a long winter. But sooner or later, we're going to end up in spring. Spring will, will be sprung. And I believe that spring has sprung. And Urban Impact is preparing itself to really minister to thousands of kids on the north side of Pittsburgh. But I thank God, during COVID, ACAC and Urban Impact did not forget the unfortunate or the vulnerable. I hope you know that we served over 85,000 meals. We served over 30,000 acts of service. When people couldn't get medicine, ACAC and Urban Impact Foundation went and met the needs in our community. We also continued to do ministries at Urban Impact. We did sports, education, arts, and all the rest so that we could touch people all all the time, holding true to the guidelines of CDC, keeping everyone safe. But we also, together, both ACAC and Urban Impact, started what we call learning labs. And we both educated kids. Urban Impact ended up impacting 85 kids four days a week for nine months because our schools have been closed. Hear me. We did not forget the unfortunate. We We did not forget who? The vulnerable. Children, youth, and families right here in this community. And I thank God for that. Thank you for not forgetting those who are most vulnerable. Well, the scripture goes on and tells us that Joseph immediately released from prison was brought before Pharaoh. And Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams and told him that seven years of plenty were coming, followed by seven years of famine. After Pharaoh heard Joseph's interpretation, realizing that Joseph could interpret dreams, but he also realized that Joseph was the man that should lead the rescue plan for Egypt. And Pharaoh told Joseph that he was going to put him in second in command of the greatest country of the world at that time. Could you imagine? Putting him in charge, second command of the entire nation. Pick up the story in verse 39. When Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as as his second in command, and people shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Of Egypt. But not only did Pharaoh put him in charge, in second command, but he gave him, the scriptures tell us, a beautiful wife, a beautiful place to live. And in just days, Joseph's life was changed, was impacted. Joseph went from a pit to Potiphar's house, from Potiphar's house to a prison, from a prison to a palace. And the whole time through the entire story of Joseph, we see the sovereign God preparing him to serve him in Egypt. 
preparing him for greatness, to fulfill the dream that he had given to Joseph when he was a little boy in his father's household. It is definitely a story of how God can take what is meant for evil in someone's life and turn it around for your good. It is truly a story of how God can take what is meant for evil and turn it around for your good. Now let me ask you a question. What would you have done if you were Joseph? What would you have done with all that power? Let me tell you what I think some people would have done. I think they would have said, hey, can I have my chariot? I need to take a ride over to see Mrs. Potiphar. I've got a score to settle with her. It's payback time. I think others would have went back to the palace and said, Sir, Mr. Farrell, I need an army. And I need a week off because I need to take a ride up to Canaan because I have been waiting a long, long, long time to see my brothers. And I know a lot of people would have responded that way because I've seen this bumper sticker on the back end of a lot of cars. I don't get mad. I just get even. When we look at our culture today, it's amazing how people want to retaliate, how angry, how division. It's amazing to me how people are so angry. But how come not Joseph? Why not Joseph? I mean, you talk about being betrayed. You talk about being sinned against. Why not Joseph? Well, the scriptures give us some great insight. Why not Joseph? Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife. In verse 50, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. In verse 51, the second son, he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Now you notice in those two verses it said, God made me. God made me fruitful. God made me forget. Let's look at how God made Joseph forget. Did God do somehow, you know, hit the delete button and Joseph just forgot? Did he get some kind of spiritual amnesia? No. Joseph remembered what had happened but what happened was God delivered him from the pain he delivered him from the pain I'm going to give you a very simple illustration and I hope it'll help you understand what this word means to forget when I was a young boy I was riding a bike and I ran into a fence and I hit it really hard knocked me out for a little while when I woke up I was in excruciating pain And I'd cut myself all the way from the top of my eye to my jaw. I ended up getting 14 stitches right here, just below my eye. Almost lost my eye. That was 50 plus years ago. And sometimes when I look in the mirror, I'll see my scar. And I'll remember what had happened. But it brings me no pain. It brings me no pain. Listen, Joseph had been wounded deeply by the sins of others. He had been betrayed, abandoned, falsely accused, forgotten, but God healed him from the sins of others. He delivered him from the pain and the sting of yesterday. That's what God did. 
God conquered and removed the bitterness or any mean spirit or any hatred or any anger or any desire to retaliate in Joseph. That's what God did for Joseph. Why? Why did he do that for Joseph? Because Joseph refused to keep any records of wrongs. He refused to keep any record of wrongs. Joseph trusted and obeyed God's command to forgive. He knew he needed to forgive. Matter of fact, when you look at the word forget or forgot in in our passage, you can also translate that forgive. So when Joseph forgave, what did God do for him? He removed all the pain, all of that from Joseph's life. One of the subtle ways that Satan hinders us today is by playing unpleasant tape recordings and videotapes in our minds over and over again. He takes those hurtful words that have been said to you and replays them. He takes those ugly scenes that have been done to you and he replays them over and over again. And if you let him, and you have a choice, it'll keep that wound fresh all the time. And what ends up happening to those of us who play those tapes over and over again, we become hostage to our past. We become hostages to the sins of others. That's what happens to us. There's a warning here for all of us. The temptation is to hold a grudge towards that one who has hurt you. The temptation is to get back at that one who has hurt you. Hear me. But in order for us to give birth to our Manassas, we've got to forgive those who have sinned against us. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he hung on the cross, said what? Forgive them. They know not what they do. Joseph is a, perf- is a wonderful example of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, forgive them. He forgave all of us, but he also forgave, forgave his enemies. His enemies. And remember, all of us at one time were an enemy of God, and he forgave us. If we don't forgive, the pain and the wounds, rather than heal, will grow and fester and turn into a a cancer, and it will devour you. Listen, the principle is this. What you sow, you will reap. What you sow, when I was a young boy, my father had a piece of land, and we would always go and plant tomato seeds. We would sow them, and what what did we reap? Tomatoes. If you sow anger, you're going to reap anger. You sow unforgiveness, you're going to reap unforgiveness. You sow love, and you'll reap love. You sow forgiveness, and you will be forgiven. Jesus says, forgive as I have forgiven you. And if you forgive, you will be what? Forgiven. What's he saying? If you don't, you will become exactly what you hated. The sin that was given to you, you will become it, and you'll turn around and be no better than the person who hurt you if you retaliate. It's, It's as crazy as this to hold a grudge. It's like setting yourself on fire and hope that somehow the smoke's going to bother the other person. It just doesn't work. The more mud you throw, the more ground you lose. Jesus said, 
Forgive. And if you'll forgive, he said, I will remove the pain, I will remove the sting of yesterday, and I will free you, and I will bless you, which moves to the second name of Joseph's son, Ephraim, which means fruit in the land of our suffering. Fruit in the land of our suffering. Joseph is now able to look back over the past 13 years. And I say 13 years because in verse 46 it says this, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Then in Genesis chapter 37, verse 2, it says, Joseph was 17 years old when his brothers sold him as a slave. So 17 from 30 is what? 13. 13 long years of ups and downs. 13 long years of one setback after another. But now, but now, now the time has come. God's time has come. And now Joseph has been prepared to fulfill the dream that God gave to him in his father's house years ago. Joseph could look back now and see how God could make a way. And why did God make a way for Joseph? Because he trusted and obeyed God. And God took what was meant for evil in his life and he turned it around for his good. And now he's standing there on the other side of the suffering in a place of blessing and victory. And he holds up his second son and he says, God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. And God blessed him externally and internally. Listen, externally. He went from a prison overseeing prisoners. Now he's leading the nation. He has been given a beautiful wife, a beautiful place to live, two beautiful sons. God blessed him. But he also blessed him internally. And this is the most important thing I'm going to say to you. So the question is, how committed are you to Jesus Christ? This is where it all starts right here. You ready? He changed him internally. Hear me. God refined Joseph. God developed him, matured him, so that that dream could be fulfilled. How did that happen? He changed his character. He took Joseph through all that suffering and shaped him into greatness, into fruitfulness. He shaped him for a significant future so that Joseph not only could impact Egypt, but he could impact the known world. But to put a man in that kind of power, God had to change him. God had to empty himself so that he could trust him. And now he was able, Joseph, was, hear me, was able to look back and understand, had he not been sold by his brothers, he would have never been bought by Potiphar. Had he not been bought by Potiphar, he would have never been tempted by Potiphar's wife. Had he never been tempted and resisted Potiphar's wife, he would have never have been falsely accused and thrown into prison. Had he never been falsely accused and thrown into prison, he would have never met the king's former cupbearer and interpreted his dream. Had he never interpreted the dream for the cupbearer, he would have never been called up to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. Had he never interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh, Joseph would have never been put in charge over all of Egypt. Had Joseph not been put in charge over all of Egypt, everyone in the story, including himself, would have died in the coming famine. Do you hear that? Amen. Joseph had to suffer through great things in order for God to fulfill his plan 
for a world in which we live. Didn't Jesus Christ go to a cross and suffer and die on a cross for you and me and walk out of the grave so that we could be forgiven? And he says to us, forgive as I've forgiven you. As we look at this story, we learn a lot of things, but let me say this. In this story, God is telling us what is meant for evil, what is meant for evil in your life, when you are falsely accused, when you've been abandoned, when you've been betrayed, when you've been forgotten, when you're being impacted by someone else's sin, remember that if you will trust and obey God, God will take what is meant for evil and he will turn it around for your good. We learn three things. We learn three things from Joseph's life. Number one, that God will never forget you. When you're going through difficult times, he will never, no, never, no, never, ever forget you. Why? Because he's an all-knowing, all-present God, and he's with you. Second, we learn this from Joseph, that if you forgive, God will help you forget. He will release you from the pain of yesterday. He will release you from the pain of those who have hurt you, and he will set you free. And then he says, and then I will make you fruitful. I will take you, and I will bless you, and you will live in victory over the sin that was committed against you. Because I will take what is meant for evil, and I will turn it for your good. Amen? Amen. Hear these last, this last verse. In James, we're going to move from the old to the new. This is, what, this is a promise. James says this. In James chapter 1, verse 2, 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. In other words, you will be able to live above your circumstances rather than under them. And that's when we find out how committed we really are to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we face trials and tribulations, will we be faithful? Will we be faithful? And will we persevere? That's where the rubber meets the road. And if we are, this is the promise. You will be mature, you will be complete, and you will lack nothing. Amen? Just in case someone's here tonight, though, or someone watching online, and I've been talking about forgiving. But maybe you don't know that you're forgiven. Maybe you're not real clear that you have a a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for you. He walked out of the grave. He lives. And he says, anybody who calls upon my name, they will be saved. If you've never called upon his name, if you've never made a commitment to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right here and right now. Would you please bow your heads with me and close your eyes and just see Jesus standing right there with you. He's sitting there right with you. He's here right now. No matter if you're in the sanctuary or at home or in your car or up in your bedroom, he's right there with you. And just ask him. Just tell him, Lord Jesus, I have sinned and I know it. I've done things that I'm ashamed of. I should have never done them. I've hurt people. I've said things to people. Forgive me. And I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. 
I'm going to make a commitment to you right now. I surrender myself. I ask you to be my Savior, my Lord, and fill me with your spirit that I might serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Look right here. If you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand for me. Those of you online, please contact somebody. Thank you, honey. Thank you. Thank you. If you made a commitment, I'd like to talk to you at the end of the service. There are people that will talk to you online. But let me end with this. If there's anybody that you need to forgive, don't let the night go by. Spend time with the Lord and ask him to help you. Maybe pick up that phone. Maybe say to each other, forgive me for the things that I've said and done. If you'll do that, it's like a boulder is going to fall off from your shoulders. And you're going to sense a freeness that you've never experienced for a long, long time. Do that before you go today. Before you put your head on the pillow, make sure that you make it right. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for being here tonight. Let me pray for you. Father, I ask that you bless them, you keep them, you protect them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.